Anyway, Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when it comes to a desired, it is fulfilled. It is the tree of life. We always use that, uh, that first part, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, uh, a consolation scripture of, you know, hey, I know you're hoping for this and it's not happening yet, but it's okay. You'll get through it. You'll, you'll do this. Um, but when the desire is fulfilled, it is the tree of life. We need, to, we need to add that last part onto that scripture in order for us to, to find hope in what we're going through and hope um, in what we see ahead of us. Um, I want you guys to turn to Luke 2. We're going to be in 22 through 38 today. A lot of times this isn't uh, a real Christmassy uh, type scripture. Um, we like to read, you know, all the wise men and the angels and the sheeps and the goats come into the stable and, you know, and the angels on high and, you know, all that good stuff. But, um, and there's a place for that, but I believe there's a place for this also. Um, so verse 22, it says this, it says, when the days of their purification, according to the laws of Moses were finished, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Sorry, I'm reading the, ampl- uh, the Holman Christian, so there's a lot of extra in there. So if you didn't follow along, I'll, uh, I'll try to stick with the basics here. So verse 25, and it says this, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was a righteous and devout man looking forward to the Israel's consolation. When I said consolation before, he, he's, he's talking about... Um, Israel is held captive by the Romans. They've been held captive by countless other people and been taken into slavery and, and different things like that. But they're waiting for the, consola- the consolation to console them, to bring them hope, to bring them joy. They're waiting for God to console them. And it says this, And the Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. That right there in itself is huge. That is super powerful. This is the Holy Spirit was upon him, and you don't see that very often in Scripture that the Holy Spirit was upon people. You see different times in the Old Testament. Uh, you see it in the New Testament with um, the Holy Spirit filling um, John's mother, uh, Elizabeth. Is it? Yep, there we go. Well, lost it there for a second. Elizabeth, Holy Spirit fills him, jumps in her. Um, but we don't see that very often in the New Testament before Jesus starts to release the Holy Spirit, um, is released on him and then released into his um, disciples and the apostles. It says the Holy Spirit was on him and it, set, and it guided him and it told him, you will not see death. That is huge. That is, that is a prophetic word from the, directly from God to you saying you will live to see the Messiah. So you think about this. This guy is, like, I'm going to see the Messiah before I die. We don't know his age. It doesn't really say his age. Um, and it says, he guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex. When the parent brought the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon stood, me, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your slave in peace, as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all these people, in the light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory to your people Israel. 
he was prophesying what was already pre-prophesied. He was re-prophesying what was going to happen to the Gentiles. He was re-prophesying. He was re-prophesying. Yes, that's a new term now. Um, he was re-telling and re-prophesying what God was doing for his, cho- his children, his people of Israel. But he was prophesying what was going to happen to the Gentiles, that he, they were going to see their Savior. They were going to have a Savior released to them and that they would be able to worship their Savior. And it didn't matter where they worshiped. Like he told the woman at the well, it doesn't matter anymore. Pretty soon you're going to be able to worship anywhere you want because it will be in spirit and the truth not in a place not on a hill not in a certain area that your relatives designated for you to worship but you will worship me in spirit and truth so think about this this man has waited his entire life to see the messiah god tells him you're not going to die until you see the messiah so think about this this man is like how do i see the messiah you know, he's like, he's thinking, am I going to see him in, is he going to be an adult? Am I not going to meet him? And then he's going to be an adult and I will see him and then I can, and I can go and be with my Satan or be with my Lord. Or am I going to wait? And he's waiting in the temple. He's waiting. He's like the Messiah. If he is the son of God, he's going to follow the Jewish customs. I'm going to wait for him. I'm going to find him. I'm going to seek him out and I'm going to wait until the Holy Spirit leads me to see the Messiah. You know, most people expect the Messiah to just show up be a, a man that was already, had already been born, show up and say, hey, by the way, you're going to be delivered. We're going to cast the Romans out of our country. You're going to be free. You're going to have your own place to, to worship again. You won't have to be ruled and, and overlorded by these people. They won't tax you. And no one saw that. They weren't expecting it. Jesus was very unexpected in his arrival. They didn't expect him to come in like a baby. They expected him to come in as a conquering king. But he came in as, as the weakest thing on the face of this earth. A newborn child, defenseless, not able to take care of himself and waiting and having to have a mother to take care of him. So he says, the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. It says his mother and father were amazed at what was being said about him. Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He's talking to Mary. He's, t- he's telling her about the pain that she's going to experience from the death of her son, watching her son be crucified he's he's letting her know you are going to have something uh, it talks about a sword he's saying it's going to be an emotional pain that is piercing you so strongly but through that that piercing of your heart the people of israel the people of the world are going to know your son as who he is and have a revelation that he is the son of god it says many hearts may be revealed So think about this. This man is probably, I'm guessing, 70s, 80s. He's probably waiting for years, hoping. Think about this. His hope was so great that he was asking God that he could see him. You know, God wasn't just like, hey, by the way, I'm choosing you randomly to to be old and wait to see the, the, the Messiah. He's like, nope, I'm going, he, Simeon was probably asking God, Lord, let me see your salvation. Let me see your son. Let me see the, the, the uh, savior of the world. And God answered him. He gave him the desire of his heart to see his son, to see his savior. 
Think about this. He probably was waiting at the temple every year. That year, every time when they would bring the newborn children in or the, the, when they were ready to make a sacrifice for him, waiting for them, saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Show me your son. Show me my Savior. So, show me the, the, the Savior of the world. Show me the ki- coming King of Israel. Year after year, he's probably waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. There's an old hymn from 1744, and um, it's by Charles Wesley, and it's called Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. And it says this. It says, Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now gracious kingdom bring. By thine own, own internal spirit, rule in all of our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. There was a, a, a desire for their king. Israel was desiring for their, their savior to show up. They're waiting for him to show up. And, and Simeon is just an example of the people that were desiring for their Savior to show up and to deliver them. So he's waiting, probably year after year, sitting in the temple complex, waiting for the Holy Spirit to guide him and say, that's the one right there. He's looking around saying, Holy Spirit, is that the one? Is that the one? Is that the one? Is that the one that you're, you've promised? And then it says, in verse 27, I'll go back to that. It says, guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary. Simeon took him up. The Holy Spirit led him to Jesus. That, that, is, that, is, that is a representation of us as human beings you know, we, we all, oh, I met Jesus, and the Holy Spirit led us to him. He, see, the thing is, the Holy Spirit works in everyone. It can guide everyone. Born again, not born again. The Holy Spirit can lead them too. The only way that we can come to Jesus is by the Holy Spirit working in us to realize that we need a Savior. The Holy Spirit is leading him and guiding him. Can you imagine him just walking through the temple? There's hundreds and thousands of people probably in that temple complex getting ready to offer those sacrifices because they have a newborn child. You know, they've, they've moved back into the area. Jesus come back from Egypt. They're now like, okay, now we have to offer this sacrifice up because we're at the temple. Jesus is probably a little older than some of the other kids in that, in that area. And, and Simeon's like, okay, is it this one, the newborn, this one? And, and he's walking through and, and the Holy Spirit just guides him. <laughs> And he sees Jesus. Can you imagine the joy that would overcome you to see your Savior? To see the Messiah of the world. To see the the person who is going to set your people free. To set the the world free from their sin. He probably wasn't like, oh, it's Jesus, Lion King. You know, it was was probably, yeah. He was probably weeping. He was probably laughing with joy because he had finally found what he was promised he would see. You know, waiting for someone to set him free, not knowing when that person would appear, but waiting for that hope to appear. 
Sometimes we wait for the glory of God to appear. But in our culture, we don't wait. In our culture, we don't want to wait for things. You know, it's like, oh, I waited three minutes in line at, at Burger King and they, you know, didn't get my nuggets down quick enough. And I'm not, it's like, oh, but I got to get, we're so busy in our, in our life. We're so busy in our culture that we, we don't take the time to wait on the Holy Spirit. We don't take time to wait on him to show us what we're doing and what we need to do. In the kingdom, we're taught that waiting for the glory of God to show up is the correct thing to do. We look at the, the disciples. What did they do? They waited in the upper room. They waited for the Holy Spirit to show up. That promised thing, like Simeon, that promised person, he waited for. Just like the disciples said, we're hiding up here. We're afraid of what's going to happen, but we're waiting up here for what was promised to us. Why do we now, as believers, not wait for what is promised for us? We, we, we wait, oh, God, it was five minutes. Nope, I got to go do it on my own. Simeon waited years to see his Messiah. The, the disciples waited in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to be released to them, to be released upon them. But we like, oh, God, I, just, I didn't get it right when I wanted it. Now I got to go find it myself. We need to learn to be joyous in the waiting Sometimes it, it's, it's hard to wrap our head around that, to be joyous in the waiting. Um, because waiting is something that we don't want to do naturally. We want it to be, I need it now, God. I need it now. I'm, I'm struggling. I, I need my health, my finances, my marriage, whatever it is. I need it now. And, and, and God's like, if I give it to you now, I just become an errand boy. But if you, you strive and you struggle and you persevere in your faith, when it does come, it's more expected. It's more joyous when you receive it. It's like Simeon. He was waiting and he's waiting and he's like, Jesus is coming. When is he coming, God? And God's like, you, don't worry. You'll be here when it comes. I'm going to keep you alive. I don't know how old he was. And he's like, but I want to see him. He's like, don't worry. You'll see him. And I think sometimes with God, we're like, God, I need to see it now. And he's like, don't worry, you'll see it. Don't worry, you'll see it. You'll be here to see it. You'll be here to experience it. But we're like, God, it's just so hard waiting. And, and we need to find joy in the waiting. Because we know God is not a liar. We know God is not a, a person who says, oh, well, I love you and I'm going to do this for you and I promise you this and then runs out on us. He's not the dad that went for a gallon of milk and doesn't come back. So be joyous in the waiting and thankful in the fulfillment. What was, what was Simeon? He was joyous in the waiting. He was like, he knew God had promised him. He knew God's promise. His promise was you will live and you will see this, this Savior. And what happened when he saw him, he was thankful. He, he lion king the kid and, and gave thanks to his, his God and said, you can, you can take me now. I mean, he, I, I, I can't imagine him being, you know, 25 years old and being like, okay, God, I'm, I've seen my, my, my Savior. You can take me now. This man was probably old. Simeon waited years to see Christ. He laid eyes on the Savior of the world. 
you imagine that? You laid eyes on the Savior of the world. You got to see the Savior of the world in physical form. You'd heard about it for 500 years that there was a Savior coming. 400, 500, we'll, we'll give it a take. That there was a Savior coming, and people are like, He's coming. There's been multiple saviors, so-called saviors, that have shown up throughout these years. I'm the savior of the world. He, the, you know, whoever conquering army that was over Israel killed them. But Simeon's like, I'm going to wait for the savior. But what, he doesn't wait in the public square. He doesn't go to the synagogues for the savior. He waits outside of the temple sees the Savior, gets directed to go to the Savior inside of the temple and sees the Savior in a form that he wasn't expecting. Most people are expecting a, 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 a Pharisee or a Sadducee to be the Savior. Someone who was no, had knowledge of what was going on was able to do it. And he sees a child. It says he took him up in his arms and praised God. He was joyous that he was going to see him. And when he got to see the Savior, he picked him up and gave thanks for him. He laid eyes on the Savior of the world, and after that, his promise, the promise was fulfilled. He was ready to be with God. He was probably ready. He's like, I've seen everything I need to. I can go now be in salvation with my, ma- my Savior. Jesus said this. He says, take heart, I've overcome the world. So we need to take heart that he's working on your behalf. Take heart that he says he'll do what he says he's going to do. Take heart that he'll be faithful and be the God that he promised that he would be. So how do we do that? We have to readjust. We have to recalibrate our, our, th- our thought process, our, our way of thinking, our way of acting to align it to what God is doing. We have to realign our thoughts to his thoughts. We have to realign our ways to his ways. We have to realign our, our words to his words. But we want to use our thoughts, our actions, our words, and then say, God, line up with me. Do you see anything from Simeon that said, God, line up with me? No, he, re- he stepped into God's um, highway and said, I'm going to do what you asked me to do because I want to see what you, I want to, you said you would show me. So why do we go on our own way and say, God, show me and fulfill all the promises you told me, but I'm not going to go in your way. We have to realign ourselves with what God is doing. When God is working, get in that lane. It's like, oh, God did this. Well, oh, that's good for you. If God is working with somebody and healing someone, get next to them. If God has healed somebody, say, hey, would you lay hands on me? If God has healed someone from a disease, say, hey, would you lay hands on me? If God has blessed somebody, with, um, brought them out of financial ruin, say, hey, will you pray with me for this? Yeah. When God says, go this way, we go this way. When God says, I am going to give you a new hope, say, okay, how do I get, you're giving me a new hope. Where, what do I have to do to align myself and my thoughts, my actions, and my words to line up with what you're doing, God? He 
His will for our life is only on one road. Sometimes we weave in and out of that. God will work when we take the, the, the side roads and the bunny trails, and he will bring us back into his will if we allow him to do that. If we decide, hey, I'm going to live how I want to live, and you just have to provide for me and do what I want you to do, God, he's, he laughs. But when we align ourselves and say, God, lead me, guide me, tell me what I need to do. But we try to lead God, guide God, and tell him what we want to do or what we want him to do for us. But Simeon, he lined himself up. He said, I'm going to stay here where the presence of God shows up and I'm going to wait for God to show me where his son is, where the Savior of the world is, where the hope of Israel, where the seed of David is. The story gets better. It really does. And you don't see this very often. It says there was a prophetess in verse 36. Her name was Anna, the daughter of Phanuel. Cool thing about that name is that name means the place where Jacob wrestled. Her father's name means the place where Jacob wrestled with God. She was a widow for 84 years. So let's just say time in Israel, married at 16, 17, maybe earlier than that. This lady's pushing 100. No, it says she was a widow for 84 years. Well, yours is wrong. <laughs> says she was along in years having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple complex. She served God night and day with fasting and prayer. So think about this. She never left the presence of God where God would show up, where God would make his manifest glory shown. She stayed in the, the temple complex. She stayed where she knew God would show up. Serving God night and day with fasting and prayer. At, every, at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Think about this. This woman spent her entire life waiting for Jesus to show up. She spent her entire life spending her days in and out of the temple complex waiting for the Messiah to show up. And then she sees Simeon, Lion King in the baby, and saying, this is the one we've waited for. This is the long-expected Jesus who will take away the sins of the world. And she gets up and begins to speak about him. Trust me, this woman was not speaking on her own because it says in the first couple words she was a prophetess. That means the Spirit of the Lord was upon her, that she was speaking what the good news was to the poor. What Isaiah 61 is, says, I will bind up the brokenhearted. 
She was speaking what the word of God was. She was prophesying what Jesus was going to do. These two people have a brief moment in history, but they have such a powerful testimony of who they are, and they're waiting on God, and they're waiting for God. She served God night and day waiting for Jesus to show up. She did what we're called to do, and that is prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is not a do it if you want. If you look at it, Jesus didn't say do it now and, and you have to do it. But Jesus said this is how things work. Prayer and fasting is how things come out. Prayer and fasting are how things get worked out in us how they get worked out in other people when we are praying for them. You ever want to um, get your flesh in line or see your flesh? Try fasting. Yeah, you can, you can get it in line, but you'll see your flesh at first because you start fasting. And you're like, oh. Because as soon as you start fasting, you drive by the one place that's like cooking breakfast and you're like, you've been fasting for like, you know, I started fasting last night at 6 p.m. and I got to wait till 6 p.m. and you're driving by Burger King and McDonald's and, and all the places that are cooking breakfast and you're like, I can smell a croissant, which I can smell an Egg McMuffin. And you're like, and you're like, Jesus be with me. <laughs> but she sat at the temple complex. She spent her life at the temple complex and she prayed and she fasted because she knew that's what she needed to do. She knew that's what was going to bring her breakthrough in her life. She knew that's what was going to cause her to bring herself into submission to the Father. You got to think about this. this, is, this these are people that haven't experienced a new covenant these are people that have experienced the laws and the rules and the regulation, but they're not living by it. It's mind-blowing for them. Uh, excuse me, it's mind-blowing for the people around them. They're not living by these rules and regulations. They're, they're fulfilling, the, they're doing what the law tells them, but they're not, they're not sad. They're not upset. They're, they're joyous. They're expectant. And why, as Christians, aren't we expectant? Both of them were expecting the Savior. They were both they were expecting to see Him and be able to reach their hand out to Him and touch Him. But she was praying and fasting because she wanted to get herself in alignment so she could hear from God to know when that Savior walked into that room or was carried into that room or was brought into that room. She was so expectant. She was so um, wanting to see that Savior that she did that. What's great is this. Is she didn't just see the Savior and go, oh, I can, I can die now. She started to prophesy about him. She came up and began to thank God and to speak about him. Okay, think about this. We know this was prophesying because why? So she began to speak about him. What do you say about a baby? Oh, it's ugly, it's cute. Oh, it's wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's not wrapped in swaddling clothes. There's not a lot you could say about a baby. She was not talking about the baby. She was talking about Jesus Christ, the Savior, when she was talking about him. 
Sorry, I'm, just, I'm not saying your babies are ugly. I'm just saying you can say it's an ugly baby, it's a cute baby. But she was not talking about the baby. She was talking about the person of Jesus Christ, what he was going to do. She's probably like, you're going to be a great, you're a beautiful baby, you're going to be a handsome man, and you're going to save the world. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm playing with that. It wasn't what she said, but she began to speak about him. She began to prophesy about who he was, what he was going to do for the Gentiles and for the Jews and for the rest of the world that needed a Savior. What he was going to do, that he was going to take the sins of, of the world away and they were going to be placed on him and he was going to create a new covenant. Very few times do you see in the New Testament where someone is called a prophetess. There's a a couple spots where you can see that they were prophet or prophetess, but this woman was clearly marked by God and clearly marked by the Holy Spirit to Luke as he is writing this. You got to think about this. Luke is probably around the same age as Jesus is at this moment. They're probably all, you know, most of Jesus' disciples were probably in their late 20s, early 30s, best guess, because a lot of them, it sounds like some of them had families. So Luke is writing this, and he's not writing this out of being 10 years, 20 years older than Jesus and was experiencing it. He's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says she was a prophetess. Whether she was acknowledged as that by the people around her or not, she was acknowledged by the Holy Spirit that she was a prophetess and that she was prophesying from the Holy Spirit. She began to speak about him and to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. That means there was other people waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. They were waiting for their long-expected Savior to come. So my challenge to you is they waited years for their long-expected Savior. The the people of, of, of Israel cried out in Egypt for their Savior to come and deliver them. They got Moses. They cried out for a king and they got Saul. They cried out for another king and they got David. They cried out for deliverance from Babylon and every other country that could possibly overthrow them, overthrew them. They overthrew themselves for crying out loud. But they knew hope was coming. There was people in that complex that were waiting to see the child. They knew, trust me, Anna had friends. Simeon had friends. They may have thought they were crazy. And they said, but you know what? We love you and we will wait with you. And they were long expected. And I think as believers, as followers, we have a hope that if life ends today, we have Jesus. We will go to be with our Savior. But they waited. And I think we need to learn to wait. We, We need to learn to wait on God. Wait for Him to show up. Wait for Him to deliver us. If, the, if Israel can wait 500 years for their Savior to show up, we can wait two days. We can wait two months. We can wait two years for our promise to show up. Yeah. Our promise is nowhere near what the promise of, of, he, of what He was to the, the nations. We're waiting for that, that breakthrough, and God's like, I got you. But like, oh, but Jesus, I need it now. God, I need it now. 
And sometimes it's like it's off. Jesus said there is a great light shining. And that great light is the hope that we can see. You know, it says don't hide, don't when it puts a, a candle under on a hill and puts it under a basket. Because you can't see it. So when we look at Jesus, we say there is a, there's a hope. I can see it. It's off. It's, it's a distance away, but there is a hope. And so I think it, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to follow him and say that we truly trust him, we have to be okay with the, that, that waiting. Because we see in these two people, these blips in history, and, and basically six, seven verses in the Bible each, Actually, Anna only gets three. These people waited longer than we've waited for almost anything. They had an expectation for that. Anna didn't, Anna didn't have a promise she was going to see him. Like it says, she was well along in years. She was waiting because she had a belief. Simeon knew he was going to see him. Anna's like, Anna's probably over here in conversation. Well, if he's going to see him, I'm going to wait around with this guy. I'm going to wait around with him because I want to see the Savior too. And there's something powerful about when we're going through something, having that, that, that person that says, I'm going to wait with you. I'm not saying they waited together. I'm just I'm generalizing this, but she probably knew who this guy was because if she was in the temple and he was probably at the temple a lot waiting for the Savior to show up, she's like, I'm going to wait for him too. She wasn't waiting. We, she was waiting for God. We have to learn to wait on God. We have a different covenant than they did. We have a different promise than they did. We have, a, we have a light of salvation that shines bright that we can grasp hold to. They were waiting for that salvation to show up. So for us, it's waiting on him to do what he said he's going to do. They were waiting for him. But I think there's something key with what she said or what was said about her. She never left the temple. She never left the place where God would show up. We need to never leave that spot where God will show up. And I'm not saying it's a place, a physical place, but it's, the, it's that spiritual and mental place where we say, I am not leaving this place because I know God will show up and I'm going to wait until he shows up. Jesus said, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. It's just aligning ourselves to get us into that spot that we wait on Jesus. We wait on his word. We wait on him. Being like Samuel saying, speak, Lord. You know, Samuel had to learn it. Even Eli had to learn it. Yeah. Samuel's like, did you call me? No, go back to bed. Did you call me? No, go back to bed. And then the, the second time, Eli's like, oh, wait, I'm a high priest here. I should have figured this out. <laughs> Even Eli had to figure it out and say, wait, this is God speaking Go back, lay down, be in silence. And when God speaks, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Eli had to align himself in his spiritual awareness to say, this is the voice of God. Because I'm wondering if Eli had ever heard the voice of God. 
something prompted him to say to Samuel, you're probably hearing the voice of God. And Samuel had to be shown that he needed to be quiet and center himself on God and, and wait for God to speak and then say, I'm listening. What do you want from me? So getting ourselves into that alignment, getting ourselves spiritually focused and say, God, I am waiting in this spot until you lead me and you guide me. I'm waiting in this spot until you direct me where I need to go. She never left the temple. She never left the spot where God would show up. And I think we can learn a lot from her. The three, the three verses that she has, we can learn so much from her because she learned how to be in the presence of God and wait for the presence of God to show up. Let's pray.